You're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas. Find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com. That is somebody flowing in their anointing right there. Okay, so the kids can go to children's ministry. And I want to share a message this morning, Um, finishing up uh, Psalm 127, which we started uh, last week. uh, The the, uh, first part of the psalm says, unless the Lord builds a house, uh, they labor in vain who build it. And uh, we're going to look at the second part of that scripture uh, this week, which is uh, verses um, three through five. And we'll read it and then we'll come back and talk about it a little bit. Psalm 127, 3 through 5 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame uh, when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Um, this, uh, this scripture is talking about um, the uh, advantages of having kids um, long after you've had them and raised them. This, I, I, this is talking about adult um, kids, uh, children. And, um, you know, the Bible says of marriage, it says, uh, let marriage be uh, held in high esteem um, by all. And, uh, and the point is they're not just married people and not just single people and not just people who maybe have failed at marriage before, but that everybody holds marriage in the body of Christ. Everybody holds marriage in high esteem. That we, whether we're married or not, we regard it as being uh, something that is um, holy and uh, sacred to God uh, and something that is uh, beneficial and good. And we don't enter into the, you know, the uh, derogatory jokes and things about uh, marriage because um, it's something that was instituted by God. It was God's idea, and it's a good thing. I feel the same way about children. So as I'm talking to you today, I know that there are some people here um, who don't have kids, uh, maybe uh, some people who really want to have kids. Uh, and my purpose today is just to make sure that children are held in high esteem um, by all. Regardless of what your experience is, that we as the body of Christ say children are important and they are holy unto God uh, and they are a sacred trust. They're the most important thing that God has, um, has blessed us with. Um, so when the Bible says that children are a heritage um, from the Lord, that word heritage is like, um, it's like an inheritance. Um, it's like um, something that you get um, that's passed on from generation to generation to generation. Um, so I'm going to ask, I'm going to start by asking you a question. Is there anything um, that you're doing today that will have an effect 100 years from now? Is there any reason why 100 years from now, what would that be? 21, wow, 21, 19, that anybody would mention your name, that anybody would say anything about you? Um, if you've ever been to, uh, especially in Europe, you can see some of these graveyards that are just like, you know, thousands of years old, grave markers with people's name on them. And that right there, just the fact that their name is on a marker, is the only thing really that's left 
maybe of substance uh, in their life. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about the impact that you're having that will be felt a hundred years from now? Um, and that's what I want to talk a little bit about today. Um, anything that you're building today that will last a hundred years. So my grandfather, my dad's dad, um, passed away in, when my dad was 19 years old in, I'm figuring, about 1952. Um, and I never knew him. I was born five years later, uh, and I never, never knew him personally. I never had any, any personal contact with him. The only way that I know him is through some old photographs um, and through some stories that my dad's family tells and that my dad tells. Um, and I've got his, um, his uh, bayonet from World War I. Um, when, uh, when my grandmother died, um, the whole family went through and just kind of picked things that they wanted, you know, to, uh, to remember him by. And they were all tokens. There was nothing really, you know, um, well, valuable um, financially. Um, did, didn't have a whole lot of monetary value, but they had value because it's something that I have that was his. Um, and not that he was like, you know, a warlike person or anything like that. I don't think a bayonet is necessarily a you know, this is just like Grandpa Canal, um, but it was something that was his, you know, and I have never, I, I never got to meet him. But the fact is that if I really want to know him, I don't know him through the things that he left behind like that. I don't know him through photographs. I don't know, really know him through stories, but I'll tell you how I do know him. I know him through my dad because I see him in my dad. You see, what he built and what he deposited into my dad still lives today. It's a heritage. It's a heritage that has come to me from my grandfather. The things that he instilled um, in my father um, goes far, further than just like, you know, old stories about him and, and things like that. The only, there's a couple of photographs that I've, I've seen of my uh, grandpa, and um, he lived in Louisiana. He had actually, um, well, when he came over from Italy... Uh, he had actually gone uh, to, first gone to Arkansas. This was the time when a lot of people were leaving the South and there was a great need for, for, um, for workers. Um, and a lot of African Americans had, had left the South and so they were looking for workers. So they were in, encouraging um, Italians and other uh, nationalities to come over. And uh, my grandfather and my grandmother, his name was um, Loretta, by the way. That was my grandfather's name. It's an Italian name, and he was a tough guy. He wasn't named Sue, but he probably had to, had to be tough for the same reason why a boy named Sue uh, had to be tough, having a girl's name. Um, but uh, when they came over, they settled, they, they settled in uh, southeast uh, Arkansas, which was a lot like um, South Louisiana, where they ended up settling. And they moved in. They, built, they, they, they began to build a store there to supply the needs of the uh, community, and the KKK drove them out. They threatened their lives. They said, you can't stay here. KKK was not, didn't just hate, you know, African-American people or Jewish people. They hated anybody that was different than them. Um, and so my, that's the reason why they ended up moving to Louisiana. And they set up a store, and they had a, they had a store, and, and, uh, and they farmed. Um, and he was, uh, he was an old, um, old-school Italian, um, there's only a few pictures of him that I've seen. Uh, one of them was something that we might not recognize the grand scale of it, but it's, it's my grandfather and my father standing in front of 
it looks like it's probably 30 or 40 coons that they had killed. And like, if you'd ever been to Louisiana, you know that is a picture right there, right? That's an experience that they're trying to capture um, right there. He was a great, uh, great outdoorsman, great hunter. Uh, and, and the things that he instilled in my dad um, were, were like this, faith. He instilled faith in my dad. My dad's experience in the church, um, and they're, they, they were raised Catholic, they came over a Catholic, was, is very deep. It's, it's like very much a part of his life, and that was passed on to him um, by his dad. But also faithfulness. My grandfather was faithful to his wife, and my dad is, was faithful to, to my mom, um, and I have been faithful to, to my wife. Um, and that's something that's just passed on from, from one generation to another. Um, hard work. Uh, honesty. Uh, dependability. Courage, a sense of family, a sense of family. When I was growing up, my brothers and I fought just like most people do. We weren't allowed to actually punch each other, but we were verbally, you know, picking at each other all the time. And, um, but there's nobody that I love more than my brothers now, and we're very different. But we have a sense of family. We have a sense of belonging and identity, and acceptance, and care for one another that was instilled before my father and mother. And also a sense of humor. Um, so these are the things, so I'll ask you, hundred. These are, these are the things that it's been, um, it's been 70 years, almost 70 years since he passed away. But these are the things that, that he instilled that live on and will live on. Because I'm passing them on to my children, and they're passing them on to their grandchildren. And a hundred years from now, those things will be there. I'm not saying that people don't have a choice to make, but they have a strong foundation that they're being built on, built on things that remain. And even if they don't remember me, even if when they see that in my great-great-grandchildren, they don't remember me, but I know that I have had a part to play in that. I'm saying these things because it's, so, it's such a vital thing for us to know as the body of Christ and to value as the body of Christ. With our young families, with our older families, um, with our families that are just starting out and our families that are very well established, is that we have a sense of the, the urgency of the moment, of the, the opportunity that presents itself before us that won't be there forever and how important that is and how long-lasting the effects are. Hundred years from now, my name will rarely be mentioned, if ever. But the work that I'm doing and the work that I have done building into the lives of my children will remain, even if they don't credit me for it. It's there, right? That's the thing. That's the thing that matters, isn't it? Not that I get the credit. And I understand as we're talking about this, I will get into that's not my influence that I'm talking mainly about, but it's my influence in the Lord. It's my opportunity to be a father as my heavenly father is a father to me. What we build, what we instill, what we establish uh, in children that will last for generations, and these things must be carefully built and established because the world we live in is a declining world. It's a decaying world. And these values are going to be constantly under pressure, under onslaught. So here's some of the things that we that we instill, we can instill in our children. Give me the next slide, you guys. 
The next one. There we go. Qualities that we build into our children. First of all is identity. A sense that they are somebody. That's something that will last a lifetime with a child. And if you have a child right now that's maybe grown and seems to have kind of lost their way, don't give up. Because the sense that you place within them that's more than just the words that you've used, but it's what you've modeled and what you've established in their lives is an identity that's deeper than sometimes just the, the outward uh, manifestation or the actions or the behavior uh, that you may see. An identity, a sense that they are somebody and that they belong. Listen, children are going to have an identity. They're going to. If you don't help them to develop a healthy sense of themselves, they're going to get it from somewhere. And as we all know, identity, the reason why it tops my list is because it's a real buzzword right now. It's really important because our society says, whatever you think you are, that's what you are. Whatever you identify yourself is, that's what you are, which is fine if you're identifying yourself by what God says that you are. But if you're identifying yourself for any other reason, you're making for yourself a very difficult world to live, a world, road to walk. And that's why parents have such a great responsibility of, of helping their children to develop a healthy identity. So identity, the next one is character. And this is where the rubber meets the road, man. This is where the, this is where the majority of the work that a parent is doing um, is with their children on a day-by-day-by-day basis. And a lot of times you'll stop and you'll ask yourself, why am I doing this? Or you'll say, is this even having an effect? Listen, don't even let that be a reason to not do what you know is the right thing to do. Building character into your children is a, is a full-time job, and it'll take everything within you. You know, people ask, you know, whether um, somebody's um, uh, behavior or their identity or their, um, uh, their, their character is based on uh, nature or nurture, and I'll tell you it's based on both. You know, it's what you were born with. It's the DNA that you have, but it's also based on someone who has cared enough, who has loved you enough to shape that identity that you have, to shape that DNA and, and the way that you have been raised, to instill something in you that is not something that you're born with, but it's something that you grow into. And that's character. First of all, honesty. When I think about honesty, I think about my mom. My mom there's nothing that you could do that would get you in trouble quicker than her thinking that maybe you weren't telling the truth. She was just like a bird dog, man. If she, and she had, she's like many women. She has a very intuitive sense that is very scary sometimes. She wasn't always right, but she was right a scary amount of the time to where she could just look at you and say, I know what's going on with you. And she insisted on honesty. There is nothing that would, that would get her riled up quicker than to think that somebody was being dishonest. Honesty. Um, and this training starts early. I don't know if I would say it's with their first words, but with their first few words, they learn how to use their words to get what they want, whether it's true or not. And that standard has to be applied um, from the time that they're little, that we, that we um, teach them um, to, um, to tell the truth. Because if they don't tell the truth, man they will learn to embrace a lie. They will not just be 
telling a lie, but they will be believing a lie. And that's why it's so important to train them. It's not just disciplining when they're wrong, but it's also modeling it yourself. If you walk in honesty, if they see you tell the truth, even when it's a hard time to tell the truth, if they know they can rely on your word, if you tell them something is a particular way that you, that you really believe it and that you model that, that teaches children to tell the truth. It's not just discipline, but it's also modeling it yourself. It's also this, parents, it's speaking the truth in love. Because truth and love sometimes seem to be at odds with each other. But in Jesus Christ, truth and love are met together perfectly. And that's what a good parent does, is not just speak the truth, because the truth can be very painful and can be destructive, actually in the wrong, used in the wrong way. But the truth in love sets people free. And it's not easy to do. And also, being honest, even when it's hard, even when you know that it would be easier to tell something that's not true. The next one is compassion. Compassion is not just in word, but it's also in deed. We teach our children to have compassion by the way that we deal with other people, by the way that we deal with them, by the way that we say that this person, I mean, what, what happens in your home when you hear that somebody that's close to you is in the hospital? I'll tell you what happened in my home when I was growing up. My mom started cooking. That's how Cajuns do, man. You know, to make sure that they got something, it's like, it's like a physical representation of love and care is to bring them a good gumbo, you know, or to bake them a cake or something like that. That's not all she did. But immediately upon hearing of some difficulty or circumstances somebody was in, she immediately began to respond in a physical way. And she taught us that. She taught us to be that way. And that didn't come from her, by the way. That came from a previous generation, probably several previous generations. Compassion. And also giving your children the opportunity to show compassion. That's one of the things that we do by going to the um, nursing home um, next door. We're doing it for those people. And those people do appreciate it. There's probably not anywhere that you could go to minister to somebody that you'll be more appreciated than the nursing home. How many times they just in a really thoughtful way will shake your hand and say, thank you so much for coming. And it's for those people. But I guarantee you it's for our kids too. It's for our kids to be able to take the step of compassion and be able to see what it feels like to be the answer to somebody else's prayer. To care about somebody else's need and not your own need. The next one is courage. Courage, the willingness to stand up for something even when it's opposed and even when you know that it's opposed. Because I guarantee you, it's going to take courage to walk. It's going to take courage to live. And if, we're, if, we're, if we instill in our kids a sense of ease and comfort and that everything, everybody's always going to like what you say and everybody's going to always agree with what you, what you say, uh, we're not preparing them for life. They will be eaten up. Because the world loves to knock people down and loves to oppose. Our kids need to be taught. Courage isn't the absence of fear. It's not allowing fear to, co to control you. And I've, I mean, I've talked about this before. I think that courage is learned at a very early age. I remember how hard it was for me to get my shots and not cry. Not because crying is wrong, but because I wanted to be tough. I wanted to be able to endure pain and not cry. Anybody else have that same, same experience? 
That's like a rite of passage. There you go. It's like a rite of passage with kids to be able to be courageous, not necessarily to suppress your emotions. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being able to do what's right and to, and to even if it hurts, to do what's, what's right. Took courage to learn how to ride a bicycle. Anybody that learns how to ride a bicycle goes into it knowing that they're going to fall, right? And that's when kids learn these lessons. And those, those lessons are lifelong lessons that we give them the opportunity to learn. The next one is self-control. And that's what discipline is all about. Discipline is outward control. We control them until they learn to control themselves. That's, that's the way that it works, right? And sometimes it seems like a, 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 uh, an endless, endless journey. Um, I was talking to a mom that has some of the best kids that I know. They're polite. Um, they're, they're courteous. Um, they're, they're just great kids. And she was talking about her kids, and she was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with these kids, you know? She couldn't. She's in the midst of it. She's button heads with them. She's not able to see the effect that it has, but we can see, the Albert people can see the goodness of those kids and how those kids are being raised and learning some things. But when you're in the midst of the battle, sometimes it just seems like it's an endless um, job, that it's never ending and that it's a thankless job. Self-control, teaching them to control themselves. The next one is repentance and forgiveness or reconciliation. Children have to be taught this. They have to be taught. And a lot of times I think we're good at teaching our kids to say I'm sorry or I was wrong, but we're not as good at teaching kids to say I forgive you. When one kid says I'm sorry, the other kid has to say I forgive you. They have to be taught that. They're not born knowing how to do that. They're born knowing how to keep a, keep a, um, a grudge against somebody. That's a natural way. That's the default position of human beings. They have to be taught reconciliation. Otherwise, when they're grown, you will find they, they, there will be a reason uh, for estrangement. And I can't think of anything much more sad than that, than a brother who no, won't talk to a sister or a mom who can't talk to her son. And that's because they, they haven't learned how to repent and they haven't learned how to forgive. If those things are established, then a lot of these conflicts that will come up in a family become permanent breaks. The next one is endurance. Children need to be taught how to suffer hardship and adversity. Did anybody have chores when they were growing up? Did anybody not have chores? It's almost like as an adult, you wouldn't ever admit that. As a kid, you would think that would be heaven, you know? That's like an ideal childhood, no chores, right? But that's not the sign necessarily of a good parent. Not giving children their own jobs to do, which are going to be hard and going to be drudgery um, and, and, and that kind of thing. But what are they learning when they're doing that? They may be learning how to wash a dish. That is an important job to learn. Most wives will tell you that, husbands. Um, or to clean a toilet or to run a vacuum cleaner. You know, you're learning how to do that, but you're also learning how to do it yourself. You're teaching yourself something that I can do what's hard, I can do what's difficult, I can do what's just untasteful to me, that I can do some hard work and enjoy it and take some pride in the fact that I've done a good job. Endurance. The ability to suffer hardship and adversity. I think that's one thing that um, some people really, some families are really good at teaching and other families 
not so good, apparently, because we see a lot of people who are not able to follow through on commitments, not able to stick with it when the going gets tough. And then finally, a sense of humor. And you, like, when you're looking at this list, anybody else have some, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just the ones that I had time, you know, to put together for you guys um, as I've been thinking about this and praying about this. Is there anything on that list that you guys would add? Anything on the list that's not on the list that you would add? Anybody? Say it. Prayer, teaching, teaching our kids to pray. A spiritual life, yeah. Anybody else? Humility, yes. Forgiveness. Anybody else? Yeah. The ability to welcome somebody into a new place. Hospitality, that's really good, yeah. A deep appreciation for the Cowboys. (laughs) Even when, yeah. Hey, there's been some years when that has been a real test of character. Yeah, to be to be a Cowboys fan. One of the um, one of the greatest lessons I think that my kids uh, learned. I know Caleb and Josh, um, and maybe Gabe learned is when we had a Christian school here. Um, we had a soccer team, and do you know what it means to go Owen? We went Owen four years or so. That means we didn't win a game in four years. And we kept telling them, man, this is building character. And if Caleb's character is any indication of it, he learned the lesson well, you know. <laughs> but that's what you have to do. You have to, sometimes you have to tell a kid that it's not, gonna, it's not a fairy tale. It's not easy. But you're going to learn something going through some difficult times that is going to benefit you, not just you, but your, every generation that follows you because of the things that you're learning and that you're going to instill in them. And then finally, sense of humor. I think um, that every family has their own sense of humor, and some of it um, appears to be um, uh, not funny, right? When, when Becky and I first got married, she thought I was pretty funny. She's, she's over that now. <laughs> but I get my sense of humor honestly. My dad, um, my, my brother talked to my dad, and he's not in great health, um, and uh, he's, he's really lost a step or two. And, and he's, not, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not able to do hardly any of the things um, that he used to do. But my brother talked to him last week, and he said he's still cracking jokes. I'm like, that's going to be the last thing to go, you know. I think even a minute after he's dead, he'll probably have something funny that he could, you know, he wished he had said while he was there. It's just an, it's a part of him. And he, can, he came from a family of storytellers. Um, so Italians, a lot of ta- Italians are like that. I'm using my hands like an Italian because I can't think about telling a story unless they, if you tie an Italian's hands bes- behind their back, they can't talk. Did you know that? But he, they're all storytellers. And it's, it, it, there's this anticipation when you know that they're going to tell you a story, even if you've heard it before, you just love to hear them tell a story, you know, because there's going be, to be a funny twist to it. There's going to be something about it that was unexpected. And that's, that's what I've, inher- I've inherited some of that um, from them. But it's a sense of not taking yourself too seriously. And don't we love to be around people like that? 
And don't we want to be people like that? Not taking ourselves too seriously. Not making an issue out of every single thing as if, you know, we're the most intelligent thing on the planet. But just taking it as it comes, you know? And, and learning to laugh even in the midst of adversity. My family laughs at funerals. They do. You couldn't tell if it's somebody's birthday party or if it's a funeral sometimes. Because when we get together, that's, that's kind of what we are. And a lot of times we're telling the same stories. This is something for you, parents. There's going to be experiences that you know nothing about that is going to be the talk of the table when they grow up. There's going to be things about you that you don't know about that is going to be the talk of the table, and you'll get as big a kick out of it as they do because you don't know the experiences that they're having, all the experiences that they're having. And some of the favorite stuff to talk about is some of the most painful things that you went through. And sense of humor helps you to do that. So I'm just making a case for sense of humor. And finally, love. Qualities that we build into our children is love. And that, when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about what is truly worth loving and what is worthless, not worth loving. Because kids have to be taught that. Our natural self loves things that pass away. Our spiritual self, God wants to love things that are eternal, that are not going to pass away. And when I talk about love, I'm also talking about what is appropriate in your family, in your home, among the brothers and sisters to say to each other, to express. How do you express love to each other? The old school way was that you never said it. And some of you, some of us might have been raised in an environment like that. But if you don't say it, if you, if you teach your kids it's awkward or it's, um, uh, it's not appropriate to express love, then they will not be able to express love either. But if you'll take that step, even if sometimes it seems, I know, I know for some of you guys you're just like, why would that be hard? It is hard. If you're not used to doing it, actually telling somebody that you love them. I don't have my clock, guys. Okay, I'm good. Who took the clock down? You guys are in trouble, man. Okay, so it's 1130 now. When my, my son uh, was in the hospital uh, in, uh, in Dallas and he coded, his heart stopped and they worked on him. They got his heart back and uh, I got a call after they had got his heart back, but they explained it. They said, it's very weak. It's very erratic. We don't know whether we're, we got him on life support. And so I got in the car and I just sped, sped to Dallas as fast as I could. And the whole way that I was going, the one thing that I was asking myself is, did I tell him that I loved him the last time I saw him? That's the only thing that mattered to me was my last interaction with my son for him to know and for me to express that I loved him. Since then, I tell everybody that I love him. Don't I? That's the way I do. And that's the reason why. I got a sales call the other day from a lady. I don't think she's had any of her, like these, these cold calls usually don't end with I love you, but <laughs> I didn't intend to, but I'm erring on the side of, you know, of, of safety, you know. <clears throat> what is appropriate? How do you, what is appropriate to, um, to express love to each other? 
Each generation of a family, each member of a family, um, establish and practice um, love. And that's conflict resolution or estrangement. That's demonstrations of affection. Um, That's standing with people who are going through difficult times. That if you're going through a difficult time, that you at least know that you're going to get a phone call from from a member of your family saying, "I'm, I'm with you, I'm praying for you, I'm standing with you. Do you need some gumbo? That's what you need. You need to have where you belong and an expression of love is not considered awkward or out of the ordinary, but it's the thing that we do. All right, and so Jesus said, um, the, per- the man who builds his house on a rock is going to stand in the day of adversity. I want to give you some things here that are eternal, that when I pass them on to my kids, I know that it's something that is going to last. It's not something that's coming from me. It's something that's coming from something that is eternal and will be eternal. It's passed on to me um, as, as something that is not going to pass away, and I'm passing it on to, to the next generation and their generations that they affect because I know that they will not. And the first is the Word of God, the wisdom of the Word of God, the authority of the Word of God, that we pass on to our children wisdom that's beyond ourselves. And we model it, too. We walk in the wisdom of the Word. That the Word is not just something that sits on a, on, a, on a shelf and gathers dust. Listen, the Word is not just a book. The, the Word is not just a physical book, even though this is great to have. But the Word is something that's hidden in your heart that you live, that you talk about, and then they see it demonstrated. So much to the point that they actually learn Bible verses from you, from your life not just your words. The Word of God. Isaiah 40, um, verse 8 says um, that the Word of God, uh, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of God will stand forever. We talk about this all the time. There's probably not hardly any sermon that I give that I'm not pointing you back to the reliability and the importance of the Word of God. And that's not to put a heavy burden on you. That's to enlighten you so that you fall in love with it. When you fall in love with something, man, you, you love it. You do it. You want it. You, you, it's not a burden. It's not a chore. The next is the faithfulness of God, that we teach our families the faithfulness of God. Your family is going to go through difficulties. And if you panic or if you become, like, you know, uh, hopeless uh, in the face of it, your kids are going to pick up on that. They're going to learn that. Panic in a dad results in panic. Fear in a mom results in fear in a child. They learn to live that way. But if they know the faithfulness of God, if they know that the faithfulness of God never fails, they will see when you're facing adversity, they will see you reach into a resource that's beyond yourself. It's beyond just your own thought. It's your, you're, you're laying hold of something by faith and saying it's going to be okay. Do you know any scriptures that support that? How about the one that says, we know that all things work together for the good. For those who what? Love God and are called according to his purposes. A lot of people use it as a proverb, all things work together for the good. No, they don't. No, they don't. They don't all work together for the good. The conditions are that we love God and we put him first. And that we are walking in our calling, that we are called according to his purposes and that we're responding to that call. That's what we base it on, that I can, I, I, can, I can build my house based on the fact that God is faithful and God will supply. 
You may not live in a, in a home that has to pay, I mean, has to pray for a new car or for a car. Like when your car breaks down, maybe you've got a good enough bank account. My kids didn't grow up in a household like that all the time, man. And I found out early that it's not just for me to pray, but it's for them to pray. And when they prayed, they got results. I don't always get results, you know. But God loves to answer prayer. God loves to, to establish for kids that he's faithful and that he will come through. And my, my boys grew up doing that and knowing that. So the, the faithfulness of God, Psalm 119, 89 and 90 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. The next is the purposes of God. The purposes of God will last forever. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 14, Solomon says, I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. If you want to build a house on something that is solid, you build it on the purposes of God. Because God, when I pray, I always come back to that at the end of my time with the Lord, is that it's all about him. It's all about his will and his way. That's the only thing that's going to stand. My, my will is going to pass away, but his never does. His purposes are going to be, going to be accomplished. Say amen with me. By hook or crook, you know? Shouldn't say that about God, I guess. That probably, the roots of that is probably not... But he's going he's gonna to do it, whether it's in a way that's seen or in a way that's unseen, whether it's in a way that I can even comprehend or a way that it's incomprehensible to me. He's not limited, and what he intends to do, he will do. He will establish it. And then finally, the kingdom of God. Daniel 4.3 says, How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. Amen. Amen. If we're teaching our children to, to uh, build the kingdom of God, basing their lives on the work of the kingdom and the, uh, and the purposes of God and the kingdom of God, their work is going to stand. It'll be established. Amen? So let me, let me close with this. Children are a heritage. It's an estate that's passed on. It's something that's passed on from generation to generation. And one generation is going to pass on to the next generation. If we're not intentional about we, what we pass on, we're going to pass on some things that they're going to have to overcome or they're going to have to, um, to undo. And no family is perfect, but if you're basing it on these things, you're basing it on something that's eternal in nature. These qualities that I see in my grandfather and my father, I also see in, in me. There's much a part of me as who I am. There's a big difference between nature and nurture. These are all part of my, my nature because of nurture. But the way that I know that I have done some things right, that God has been faithful to us, is that I see these things in my children. And when he's, he's talking about adult children, when he's talking about children or the heritage of the Lord, and that when he stands in the gate with his enemies, he's got, he's got people that he can stand, that stand with him. I have so much benefited from that, from my children, from my boys. When I was out of town in, uh, in Africa, um, Caleb mowed my yard 
Um, Gabe called up uh, Becky and just took her out to Stanley's to eat. He's never taken me out to Stanley's to eat. And what was it? What did Jesse do? Jesse, <laughs> Jesse got a power washer and did the whole sidewalk and the whole patio, something that I've been wanting to do for so long, and I never even said anything to him. But that's just a small in inkling of, of the fact that there's something that, that God has done through my meager efforts to instill in my kids something that is a generational thing. And they won't talk about me a hundred years from now. I'm sure of that. I'm sure I'm not leaving. But I know that there are qualities in the next generation and the next generation that are a direct result of my efforts to build into my children. And that's what I want to share with you today. Whether you've got kids or not, that's what VBS is about. That's what the time that we're spending and the amount of money that we spend in nurturing and taking care of our children is all about. Because we highly value them and we know that it's a sacred trust that God has passed on to us. Amen? Let's stand together. Do you want to lead us in a course? Let's worship the Lord. Let's sing this together again. In my life Be lifted high our world be lifted high in our love be lifted high oh Jesus we pray in my life be lifted high in our world be lifted in our love be lifted high everlasting your light will shine when all else fades never ending your glory goes beyond all fame and the cry of my heart is to bring Praise from the inside out, Lord, my soul cries out everlasting. Your light will shine when all else fades, never ending. Your glory goes beyond all fame, and the cry of my heart is to bring you praise from the inside. Side out, Lord, my soul cries out from the end. Side out, Lord, my soul cries out. In my life, be lifted high. In our world, be lifted high. Our love. Tell you one more story. Um, when we did the um, VBS training, was that last week or week before last? Uh, last Sunday? Last Sunday. Susan told a story about a little girl in the Houston area that went to um, VBS and uh, heard the gospel and gave her heart to the Lord. 
Uh, and then she told, told about the legacy that that little girl um, had, that she ended up um, uh, marrying uh, a guy who became a pastor and pastoring a church uh, and then raising a family and passing her faith on to that family. That was Joyce's uh, mom that he, she was talking about. Um, Alice is her name. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's an indication of the, the long-term significance that VBS can have. There's a lot of kid stuff that goes on. There's some things about it that is just not, not kid stuff. It is deadly serious in the kingdom of God, geared toward children to be able to, to embrace it and to understand it and to, and to get it. But it's a, it's a big deal. Um, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for your promise of faithfulness from generation to generation. I thank you, Lord, that all of our families, Lord, young or old, rely, Lord Jesus, on your faithfulness, that we do our part, and we're faithful to do our part. But you're the one that does the long-term work. You're the only one that can affect the next generation and the following generation in godliness and goodness. And the things, Lord Jesus, that you instill in us are so much under pressure today, Lord. Oh, God, give us the courage to teach courage to our children. Give us the faithfulness, Lord, to teach faithfulness to our children. Give us the honesty, Lord, uh, to be honest with our kids and require honesty of our kids. Give us, Lord, the grace to repent and to forgive and to teach that and model that for our children, Lord. Help us to build the kingdom of God right in our own homes, Lord, right around our own dining room tables, Lord, and be glorified in it. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that a hundred years from now, the investment that we're making today, Lord, would still be flourishing, would still be bearing fruit, Lord, for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.